You wouldn't buy a car without a seatbelt, a laptop without Wi-Fi, or go a day without your cell phone. Could a business survive without the internet? Then why are many healthcare providers and provider organizations still not connected and enabled to share critical clinical information digitally in the care of your friends and family? Welcome to Notify, a podcast from Notu. Join host Dr. Peter Schock, Chief Health Officer, and Teresa Bell, Founder, President, and CTO, as they bring the profound impact of healthcare communication to life through frank conversation in understandable language and through real-world context, they'll demystify interoperability, helping you unlock the potential of healthcare communication at scale. You'll also learn the transformative impact of being no two connected. Connect. Connect. Listen. Listen. Transform. Transform. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Notify. Very special episode today. This is an episode where we have a first guest on a Notified podcast today. Um, Teresa is, I would say, a little bit under the weather and maybe has been so for the last month. She is just getting her voice back. I promise as a physician, I can certify she is non-infectious at this point. And because it's virtual and audio only, you're probably not going to get infected anyway. But the long and short of it is she's got a a little bit rasp in her voice, uh, which uh, brings a very interesting tenor and color to her question. So, uh, Teresa, you're up for this today. Is that right? I am. And I, I, you know, this has really impacted my singing career. So it's it's challenging on that front. But I would say I am infectious. There's mostly my personality that's infectious. And, and you know, so whatever. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, we've got, it's uh, it's not about us today. We've got a completely different uh, uh, format today. We've got uh, a guest with us today. We're very honored to have. It's somebody who has partnered with uh, No2. Um, and uh, we're here to tell her story today and the story of, of the company and what they've been doing. So we're, we're joined by Marla Ranieri today. And Marla, would you just give the audience just a little bit of background about you personally, who you are, and then we'll get into what we're going to talk about. Yeah, thanks so much. Such a pleasure to be on today. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Marla Ranieri, and I am the VP of Innovation and Clinical Excellence at Ivy Rehab. So really focused on all of Ivy's clinical programs when it comes from our residencies, our clinical education education, student programs, and beyond, all the way through to our innovation, which is really exciting for Ivy. We're a very innovative company when it comes to hybrid care, improving processes for patients and providers, um, and making sure that Ivy is really leading the industry. And just for background, I am a PT as well. Um, So very excited to be able to be a a large enterprise company and paving the way with all of my teammates for, for the industry at home. Yeah, that's fantastic. Now, are you still are you still seeing pe- people in the clinic and still doing uh, rehab appointments and so forth, or have you stepped completely out of practice and are doing mostly the uh, uh, leading and innovating? So I've stepped out of practice. It was actually hard to do that. I, I kept for a long time, even just it one day a week, do. and it is COVID kind of finally let me step away because. It just did it for me. So uh, no longer treating patients, but still very connected to the patient at hand. Yeah, no, that's the same same situation as I was too. You you at some point feel called to do something differently. It's it's an incredible privilege to have impact one-on-one with patients. And there's nothing greater in my career that I've ever had. But you realize sometimes to change the things you need to change, you need a different seat at the table. 
and taking your clinical experience and the understanding of what it's like to be a provider and putting it into an administrative position like you're in, um, especially uh, innovation and clinical innovation uh, is incredibly important. So that's wonderful. Well, here's what we're going to talk about today, Marla. You guys uh, were, um, and, and you'll talk about this here in the next segment, but you guys um, uh, have been an innovative company and looking to uh, create frictionless patient experiences and frictionless provider experiences. Um, and we're going to talk about your journey to improve one of the most common processes and common pain points, I'm sure in therapy, if not in all of healthcare, uh, around referrals and intake. So um, when we come back from break, Therese is going to get into it and, and uh, we're going to hear Ivy's story and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm just going to say something real quick. I just want everybody to know, because I'm the lesser human on, on this podcast, for sure. I, I started out in PT school. So I have a little bit of similar, and I had to quit. I had to quit because I couldn't handle the clinical side. I couldn't, as Dr. Shuck knows, I couldn't handle it. So here I am working in computers and IT. And that's where I had to resign myself to and uh, support the wonderful providers that we have on the call today. So that is my passion. Providers have always been my passion. It's why I started the company to make sure we're serving providers simply because I couldn't do your job. So here I sit as the, uh, as the lesser of us three and I'll look forward to the, the next conversation. Well, no value judgment. There's no lesser. Uh, the, being a clinician is not a value judgment. It's just where you apply your, where you choose to apply your passion and skill. All right, we'll be right back and uh, get right into it. For over 20 years, Ivy Rehab has been revolutionizing outpatient rehabilitation. This network, featuring over 560 clinics across the U.S., offers not just physical therapy, but occupational speech and ABA therapies as well. Their approach? Tailoring treatment to each individual for outstanding results. IV Rehab isn't just about advanced care. It's about people. From clinicians to support staff, everyone is dedicated to fostering an environment of growth supported by educational and leadership programs. Innovation is key with IV Rehab using cutting-edge data analytics to surpass performance benchmarks and personalized care. They meet patients' needs through in-clinic visits, at-home services, and telehealth, making them a preferred provider in the rehabilitation field. Connect. Listen. Transform. This is Notify with your hosts, Dr. Peter Shuck and Teresa Bell. Welcome back, everybody. Right before the break, we introduced you to Marla Ranieri, um, and uh, uh, she told her uh, a little bit about herself. And now we're going to talk a little bit about Ivy Rehab, uh, the journey uh, of Ivy Rehab to solve one of the more uh, critical problems uh, in healthcare or challenges in healthcare, which is kind of streamlining referral and intake process. And I'm those, those are my words, Marla. You'll have a chance to correct that as you tell the story and make sure that I'm saying the right thing. But Teresa... <laughs> I know that you have known Ivy Rehab a lot longer than I have. I've only recently joined No2. I know that you began working with Ivy Rehab, I think, before Marla. So just tell us a little bit about from your perspective, and then let's uh, let's uh, hear from Marla and, and the journey here. Yeah, I, I, um, when Marla was going through the introductions and she used the word innovative, uh, I, will, I will start off by saying that that is a very true word for Ivy Rehab. Um, I often, when you hear that word, at least for me, I, it invokes an eye roll in me because people use innovate they use these words and they're very trite in their in their conversation they really don't know what they mean and i think we hear them all over healthcare. um but it's absolutely true as it relates to ivy rehab and my my experience with ivy rehab comes through our strategic partnership with our ehr vendor 
And um, I was first introduced to IV rehab prior to a, a national conference that their EHR vendor put on. And innovation was, it was, it echoed from the first call that we had. And they were very desirous to solve problems. And it, it's often, most of the time, it's not the case that what I call the rendering provider, in this case, the therapy provider, is is trying to dictate the course for the for the referring provider as to how to do things better. Ivy didn't choose that. Ivy chose in these conversations that we were having, they were very much working with the referring provider and providing guidance to them on how to manage referrals, how to manage signing transaction, things like that. And it was just an interesting thing because we don't see that mostly from our therapy providers. They're very much of a kind of a passive role and they're kind of do whatever the referring provider tells them. Uh, and at the, you know, that understand that that's their revenue source. But Ivy was absolutely seeking a leadership position with this group. And then as we went into the uh, national conference and Ivy was their main stage customer for sure, it continued. That team continued. And this was before I met Marla. Um, I think maybe, Marla, you weren't there yet. And I think they brought you on even to spur innovation further. Um, but I just wanted to emphasize that is absolutely what I've experienced with, with Ivy. And it uniquely sets them apart, um, especially in the, in the post-secure industry and the therapy industry where we, we serve a lot of customers there. Just a different mindset and really seeking to drive and disrupt healthcare. And I, I think that's fantastic. So um, with that, Marla, I'll jump right in. I just wanted to make sure I, I spent a little time on that and say, that's true. Those words are true. I will I will echo that. Um, when you look at what Ivy Rehab was, and especially as you came into the organization and looked at the market, what was the, the challenge or challenges that you guys were seeking to address? Great. Well, first, I want to say thank you, Teresa. I really appreciate those comments and your background and insight into Ivy. And back to your question, I'd say the challenges were that Ivy is really all about the people. That is our model for this year. It's all about the people, best people year yet. And that brings it down to our teammates. It brings it down to our patients, it brings it down to our providers and to our partners. And when you think about being all about the people, we want to make sure everybody has the best experience possible. The patients, when they walk in the door, the care they get, the experience they had even to get that care. And then, of course, their outcome, their success, their their um, their data and analytics, all of that, right? Like, did they achieve what they wanted to achieve? The teammates' experience, how they are able to get that patient in the door, how they are able to interact with their doctors, with the providers, with everybody in the ecosystem. And it's very important that our partners and our providers have the same experience. When I say providers, the doctors who are referring to us. And so all of that is what we look at and we're always trying to improve. There's a little bit of a broken ecosystem in healthcare in general, where maybe the connectivity of providers to the therapist is not as seamless as it could be, or the patient even getting in to a provider or to a PT clinic. Um, some of those breakdowns is in technology. Some of it is in communication. Uh, some of it is just healthcare is a little bit behind the eight ball. So we really looked at how can we do better? How can we innovate better? and create that experience for all. And that's really how we came to know two and to direct messaging and say, how can we partner with the providers, with the patient, with our company and make it seamless that we're all connected and we can create these processes back and forth so that there's not a breakdown or an 
a reason for the patient to not get to the care they need. That's really the problem we were seeking um, and trying to solve and what we want to continue to build for, as we say, the industry and, of course, for our company. That's, I love the word experience. Um, and I, in some of the previous podcasts, and I was, I was the interviewee in some of the previous podcasts because of the experience that I had um, very specifically with my father and him falling and breaking his hips and going through this series of things. And it wasn't until I sat in it, because I've been lucky enough to say that I haven't had to have a lot of health care in my lifetime, until I sat in it and I sat in it with my father. And I went through these various transition of care and these various referrals that the experience is what kept that word, both for me, for my father, for the providers involved that had no understanding of what had happened to my dad over a weekend and his, you know, his neurologist that was managing his Parkinson's. And, it, and I was looking at that and it, the experience absolutely left so much to be desired. Like, I can't even tell you how much there was left to be, you know, to be solved for. So I love the fact that you guys were starting with the experience first. And you weren't just starting with technology to find a problem to solve with it. You were you were starting with the experience and seeking to bring it back in. So a little bit more on, tell us a little bit more of why you chose no to um, in particular. And obviously there's some integration with your EHR vendor, but what in particular drove that decision and what was no to bringing to it that uh, that would be helpful to drive the better experience? Yes, great question. So we really were, if you think back in the day, we would use faxes from providers to the PT group. And that's how you may have received a referral, an actual fax in your hand, right? Um, And then it kind of moved a little bit more into electronic referrals, right? But again, a little bit of a breakdown where we know if the patient gets into care as soon as they can, as soon as they recognize that injury or they're referred or they have that, that need or ache or pain, they have a better outcome. The longer that care lags for them to get into it, seek it out, and start it, the less of a chance of the outcome being successful. So we we recognize and notice that the faxes or even the electronic referrals weren't really the best process. It was still some lag time between getting to that patient and getting them in the door and that connectivity with the doctor. So that's where we really sought out who has the connection right now in the industry between both of those stakeholders, the providers and the PT groups, and of course, the the EMR, the technology, and really through our EMR, which is Raintree, no two had that connection and that connectivity, but it was really about how do we use that best? It could be there. You can say we're using this direct messaging But if it's not seamlessly coming through back and forth and embedded in your processes so that there's automatic technologies that occur next or processes that occur next, that you don't have to have manual insertion or manual labor where there could be a step that, again, causes lag, then you're not doing it right. So that's where, you know, we partnered with No2 and said, hey, we see what you have existing through Raintree and, and what the current improvement it is, but how can we make this even better for everybody? And what can we build and create that is truly seamless uh, and gets that patient to where they need to be automatically? So I just, I can't, I cannot help my, Trace, I'm sorry, I cannot help myself but interject here about a couple of things. Number one is, number one is, Marla, I love the fact that ultimately at the end of the day, as a clinician, you're a clinician, 
for our clinician partners out there listening, and for those that support clinicians with technology, at the end of the day, enabling us to provide the best, most complete outcomes for our patients is absolutely what drives and motivates us. And now, with that as a starting point, we can have impact on a lot of other parts of healthcare, right? We can have an impact on outcomes for patient. We can have an impact through this improving the process on the providers. We can have an impact on the business fundamentals if we can more uh, streamline referrals, be more frictionless, get more referrals, be a preferred provider. So it just cascades from there. But I love the idea that it was that clinical outcomes that kind of drove um, a decision around process for innovation. Uh, that to me really stood out. And I, and I just wanted to emphasize that. That's all I wanted to interject, Teresa. All back to you guys. No, I think it's a, I, I think it's a great kind of leads into the, to the next question. I think um, naturally in the process, as you guys were leaning into a new process. So we talk about, you know, it, it's incredible the, the, the stats we sit on as a company. It's about 80% of referrals still come over the fax or a fax machine. Um, which I think astounds a lot of people, especially those that sit in health systems that maybe don't quite have visibility to the world that lives around the health system. So it's a big number. Um, so when you guys were leaning into that and you were leaning into how that would impact workflows within your four walls, and I want to get to the impact it had externally because I know we've gone through a lot of work there too. Um, but within your four walls as, as IV rehab, how did you manage that change? How did you incorporate change management and what did that look like? Because I think we, we've talked about that a lot, Dr. Shuck and I, that change management is as much a part of the equation as the technology is itself. How do you how do you get people to adopt new ways of thinking and new habits? Yeah, well, we we really looked at what the, the current process was. So a electronic fax uh, would come into something we called our doc routing, which was just another area of uh, our EHR, that was not where our teammates naturally went to. They would have to seek that out, look at it, and then they would have to manually enter it into our lead tracking or our rain tree um, process that we in- created to improve when a phone call comes in or a patient comes through our website, right? So we wanted to make sure we can make that better. Uh, and first step is we we went to our providers and said, how are you doing this? What are you doing? What is your your way of referring to other providers, not me, MRI, imaging, um, prescription? And so they actually showed us in the system, oh, it's so easy. We just click, it goes right through, and it shows up in their EMR and vice versa back. Everything is within where it should be. You didn't have to pull it out and push it back in and, and move it along. And we do this every day. We go to get a medicine for um, a sickness and and the doctor sends it to our pharmacy and we go there and the medicine shows up, right? So that's where we said, great, now let's make sure that's the experience with us back and forth bi-directionally. You guys can send it right to us. It goes right in our process and our systems. We don't have to go to a different place to check it. Potentially somebody doesn't check it for a day or two. Again, that lag for the patient getting care uh, and it builds up, right? How does it just go automatically into our system? alerts our lead tracking so we almost can can make sure um, and put guardrails around if the patient doesn't get connected, right? Or how do we directly connect with the patient? A text goes out to them saying, welcome, right? How do we create that? And then when we have that patient, how do we make sure the information about their care goes right back to the doctor again in that seamless process that it goes where they want to see it? They don't have to find it. They don't have to move it around and again, delay of a day or two. So that's where we started the change process is we asked our physician groups, our referral groups, and said, well, how are you doing it that works best with other areas? 
Then we looked at No2 and said, okay, how can we improve the process that exists with our company and with you and partner together? Uh, and then we explained to our teammates the why and the change management. And when you explain the why, hey, things might change a little bit from your existing way you do it, but it's changing because we're going to get the patient in quicker, faster, and we're actually going to make it more efficient for you. And that's the way we were able to really get the buy-in from all. You know, we have to invest time, resources, and teammates to do this and make this improvement with Note 2. And even our EMR, we had to invest time, resources into them. But we knew that the outcome was going to be a better partnership with our providers, a better experience for how they are sending and receiving, and most importantly, a better experience for the patient. Um, you know, they walk out of that clinic when the doctor said, we've referred you, and they get a, a message on their phone saying, welcome, can't wait to have you, right? How, how do you get that? How do you get more Amazon-like? And that's our goal and our vision. And this is just little steps to get there. That's, um, I love the Amazon-like experience, but this is exactly where I started the conversation saying that IV Rehab is truly innovative, and I'm, I'm sure you're bringing a high level of influence here, Marla. But, but getting... It is so unusual that you sat with the referring provider to say, show us how you do business else. You know, tell us what you do so we can naturally fit back into your daily course of action and get PT referrals very much the same way. And, and that is real. that was really one, really a really smart move. Um, and there's some uniquenesses. I always say that interoperability is a dimmer switch. It is not a light switch. You cannot just say, flip it on, I'm good. I'm nationally, I'm, I'm connected. That is true on a technical perspective, but when it comes to workflow and adoption, that is not true. So thus, it's not true. And so work like this, um, and in particular with PT, there's some there's some unique nuances that that I don't think the probably healthcare system understands about PT that interoperability hasn't resolved for yet. So like for instance, when a when a referring provider often, and we hear it a lot, when a referring provider goes to send a PT referral, they'll often have the script to the patient because they don't necessarily want to go through their directory and find the PT location. So they'll just say, hey, here's a list of PTs, you know, kind of a pre-created list. Here's a list of PTs in the area you choose, you go find it. Which that breaks interoperability, right? Because we want that electronic referral to flow because the physician directed it to the, to the right location. There's some uniquenesses. And then also how PT is, is listed in national directories where they're shared, like these provider directories. PT is very much of a clinic-driven thought process where providers, referring providers, are, much, are very provider-driven. So they have MPIs listed, and we can find them, right? And in those nuances, the fact that you guys led with going to the referring provider and say, just show us. Tell us what you want. I think that's a brilliant move because change will start there because they they will dictate what happens downstream. If they, if they send it electronically, Ivy has to accept it electronically. And then moving into your, your team to really commit themselves personally because of not only the benefit to themselves, but to benefit to the patient, I think is a, uh, it's just great. And obviously the outcome has demonstrated that it's worked and would love to understand what you've seen as the outcome. What, do you, what are you seeing in, in Ivy and what are you seeing with your referring providers, your patients as the experience? Let's, let's reference it back to the experience. How is the experience? Yeah. So I'd say we, we looked at 2022 and saw how many, files, faxes were left in doc routing that may have not been addressed in a timely fashion and that, you know, did not convert. And then we we took that and showed the team and said, these are lives. These are lives that we could have helped that we didn't, right? 
And then we looked at that in 2023 with all of our processes improvements, and it was significantly, significantly decreased from the point of it's sitting in that dock routing. We really are have like minimal left in the dock routing. So we got it into the system, which means that the patient was contacted in a timely manner. Now, whether they convert a different story, but at least we, we, we connected with them right away. And they did not sit in this queue waiting where there was some process, uh, lack of process improvement, right? So that's shown a, a big difference. Another big difference that we've noticed is our ability to send information back to the doctor that was we call bi-directionally. And that is, is we, we looked, we had none that we were sending bi-directionally into this, their system in 2022. And now I'd say with all of the doctors that were participating in direct messaging, you know, that, that, that is um, pretty much every single one of them is getting that back bi-directionally. And so that's enhanced our ability to connect with the doctors because they're seeing our plan of cares. They're seeing all of our information in a timely manner as well. And the communication back and forth is enhanced. So again, you can help the patient even more in a better fashion because you're so connected to that physician. So I'd say those are the two differences we've seen this year is just that process improvement where we don't, we, we don't have lives sitting there that we didn't help. Um, we're getting them and reaching out to them a lot quicker and faster. And maybe we didn't get them in for insurance reasons or time of day, but at least we know we connected with them. We we were able to um, make that ability that they had that option to get right in, right? And then the providers, they are very much so excited to work with us because we're, we're giving them that experience because they're getting it back. It's not just sending the patient to us. They're getting the information from the patient back right where they want to see it. And that is instrumental because it's strengthening and enhancing our relationship with providers. So two questions, Marla, um, that's, that again, people may not understand about therapy that I think are important to know. With, with therapy, there's a unique, not going to say it's unique to every every care setting, but it's fairly unique to therapy. You just have a conversion rate. You have like a time period where you've got to get that patient scheduled or the drop-off rate of getting them scheduled because it's elective, right? It's still considered elective. Um, tell us about that a little bit and why this this impacted that process because that's business, right? At the end of the day, that's lost revenue if you lose that patient. And we're talking about impact to the bottom line and, and that's experience to your therapy providers. Uh, so tell us about that and what that looks like in therapy. If you don't connect with them in the first two days, that ability to convert them goes down 50%, right? And then if you don't connect with them at the third day, it's it's almost like 80%. You've lost that patient, right? So that is, and we all know this, patients want to get care as soon as possible. So they're calling somewhere else. They're trying to figure it out. Um, or maybe they just decided they didn't need therapy anymore, right? They, they heard it from the doctor, but then they just decided, you know what, it's not that important. I didn't hear from them, right? So that's where that three-day window is crucial of being able to connect with the patient and get them in. And the doctors recognize that three-day window too. They expect that level of getting the patient in when they send them over to you. They want the patient to get in. It's their surgery that's on the line. It's their care as well. So really, you know, making sure that you can address that patient in a timely matter. I mean, I want to get it to just, hey, we, we now, instead of saying, oh, we can get your patient in from 24 to 48 hours, I want to say we can get them in with an X number of hours in a day, right? 
that's where we want to get to. And I think these are the process improvements to get there. And number one, I think that is absolutely fantastic. And the statistics you quote are not, I think they're probably more significant in PT than they are in other areas, but the, the engagement rates are proportionally related to the outreach and the timing of the outreach. There's no question about it. Um, I, a couple of things that you guys were talking about earlier that I want to make sure that that we draw some emphasis to. Um, and we talked about the change management piece, but you said something more like in your last answer that just really stuck with me. Um, and, and it was really about, we told them that these were lives that we couldn't help, right? That we didn't get to. So therefore we couldn't help. We missed the, the opportunity to, to do. And, and, and when I think about that, when you tie the reason for doing something to the reason why somebody's in the doing what they're doing, man, that's impactful. It creates an almost unbreakable emotional connection that says, I can put up with almost anything to get through this process of change because the outcome is so aligned with what I got into what I'm doing for uh, in the first place. And I thought that was real important. The second piece I didn't want to lose in the uh, in the change management thing, and Tracy, you alluded to it, and I wanted to just draw it out again and have you both comment briefly on it. And that is th- this this idea of, leading operational implementation of a technological change or a process change, it is incredibly important that you lean into it. And I heard that all through the story about leaning into it. Tracy addressed it when she said, we met with our uh, referring providers, we met with our PTs, we met with the front staff. But but I cannot overemphasize how important it is um, for success in any reasonable modicum at all um, that you lean into the process because that's where it fouls up. The, the technology is a technology. You can implement it, but it's never going to have an impact if you don't lean in to make the operational uh, changes that are necessary and address the change management. So I think those are two things that st- stand out in the story, Marla, that I really wanted to highlight because I don't see that every day in, in healthcare, number one, having been in large health systems for a long period of time, uh, but I also don't see it in the technology space very often. Sometimes technology is looked at as, hey, it's the solution. <laughs> It's a tool. The solution includes the tool, the people, the process, the change management, right? So I just I yep. just want to emphasize that because it was very important what you guys said. Yeah, and I, I would even say, you know, we leaned in into so much that we, we probably are a little bit of the PIA pain in the butt customer, <laughs> you know, in a sense of we're like, wait, it's still not good enough. What can we do better? We make sure this integration is better with Raintree. How do we get it into CCDA format? And it appears where we want to and in our process. So I think that's an important concept and step is that by doing that, and I think No2 recognizes as well, they, they probably put more time and energy towards us and we put more time and energy towards them. But again, we were doing it for the greater good, not just for our not just for our own company, right? This is going to improve the process throughout. But, you know, we would we would say, hey, it's still not working well with Epic. It's still not showing up in here. Why not? You know, and we really did Q&A it a lot. Um, and that's because you can't just implement a process and walk away. Yep. You've got to follow through and make sure it works and that it works in the way that you all intended for it to. So the vision's yeah. evolving, but you really do, like you said, have to lean in and make sure that you're getting the outcome you want. And so, then look at the data and make sure that, that supports it. And when you say pain in the butt, I love that. And I think immediately mm-hmm. about your profession um, and think about the, the pain that comes with doing physical therapy, but the ultimate outcome is better mobility of the joint, greater stability, um, better healing, et cetera. It's the same kind of thing. You have to be willing to go through the storm to get to the other side. Um, so yeah, that's that's fantastic. 
Sorry, Trace, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just, there were a couple of things here you guys were talking about that were just so important. I couldn't pass up an opportunity to emphasize them again. Oh, I thought that pain in the butt was maybe a clinical, a clinical diagnosis because if you started going down, you know, all this stuff, I thought, oh man, this is, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that pain in the butt was like a pain. Well, the th there needed to be a care plan for pain in the butt, but no, it was, you guys were fantastic. Um, Marla, I, it takes that level, as you were, as you were going through that, you, you'll hear these phrases, I've used this phrase for a long time, um, I use it in, in some of the steering committees I sit in on a national basis, some of these different groups that when interoperability moves from a noun to a verb, we are successful because interoperability is not something I buy off the shelf, right? It's not something, hey, I'll take two, I'll take two of this. It's, it has, it's something that you apply, but it's not interoperable until it becomes something that's in action and you see it working. And it's very, it's very expansive in its definition. And once you plug it in, what you want it to become is up to you. I, I always say that the start of a digital transformation journey is getting data to flow because the journey now becomes self-directed. Once I have data, I know what path to take this journey on or what path I want to take it on me. I rehab here or whoever it is. I can take it because I have a certain path I'm heading down, but I need data, not a fax. I need data to get me started. And you referenced the CCDA, which was going to be part of a second question I had for you, because I think it's really important because it's not just about moving data or documents from one organization to another. It's what you do with it. And the CCDA, for those that don't know what that is, for our audience, that's the, the clinical document architecture. It's a structured, the very specific technical term for how I can move data in a container that relates to the patient that is not only i-readable, but it's machine processable. So my EHR can take it in, but I can look at it also at the same time. It's not just a bunch of data. That, that's my, that's only 30 seconds that gets me super excited about technical technology. Thanks for giving me that. But anyways, back to the CCDA, you guys did, you guys pushed back into your EHR vendor, which I think is a really important part of this because EHR vendors, unfortunately what happened in the industry for a long time, EHR vendors were following what was given to them from a legislative perspective. So they were checking the box saying, hey, we can, we can produce a CCDA. We can send a direct message. We can receive a direct message. Well, great. Is it having any impact? Is it done right? And unfortunately, the first pass at meaningful use, a lot of EHR vendors did not implement it right. And they had to go back and do the workflows. So the fact that you're leaning into your EHR vendor, I think it's great. And I know they've been super incredibly responsive. Um, but getting that CCDA to actually drive workflows, can you walk through that? What did you guys do? What did you have your EHR vendor do with the CCDA? And what did it do for you guys in the experience? Yeah, so when the direct message originally came through, even though we had a direct message set up, it would come through as a picture, a PDF, which again, the information's there, you know, the referring doctor, all of that, it's there, but you can't do anything with it. You could just upload the document into your EHR. You had to re-enter everything, right? Yeah, you can't take each little field and data point and do something with those data points. Now, just a, a background, Ivy has a very robust data analytics team, and we are in the midst of building a data lake because we're so focused on our outcomes and how everything connects every bit of the patient and what that means to be able to, to progress care plans and to be able to progress the experience. So that PDF didn't do much for us. We couldn't take data points. We couldn't use data points. We couldn't insert it into our data lake. Um, and we also couldn't do anything off of it. We just know we got a patient and here's a script and it was in as a picture. So 
To convert to CCDA means each piece that was coming through from the doctor would come in as a an inserted field into our EMR. Name actually would insert into name field of EMR, you know, p- referring provider insert into name referring provider of EHR. And that allowed us to then start some automatic processes. When it comes in, it could be tracked that data could go into our data lake and we could start to track the patient. And we also could start to do other uh, processes with it, right? So we can send a text directly to the patient if their phone number is there. So that infrastructure of changing it from just a picture where the data just can't be touched, think of it, just a picture, to true data coming in and inserting in where we can now take that data and do something with it or that information, PHI, however you want to call it, allows us to even provide a better experience. So we did have to push our EHR and say, this is how we want to digest this information. We don't want to just have a picture. Um, because that's kind of how e-faxes are, it's just a picture. And the beauty of direct messaging is to have that that actual information inserted in. Uh, and then it also eliminates our front desk actually entering in the patient's name, email, date of birth, and ha- making any errors or any of that nature. So again, that's that's really why we pushed for CCDA and invested in it. That's, I mean, there's for people that were mapping that in their mind, when we talk about the first move to a digital transformation is getting the data. I've got the data in the form of a CCDA that was followed the direct message. There was multiple workflows that took off, right? So you created the lead in, in Raintree because of the, it automatically did that. So we didn't have the data enter it, created the patient record if it needed. Uh, and three, it also engaged the patient because in the CCDA, there's very specific sections that allow you to do all these different things, including there's payer information. It tells you the reason for the referral, gives you all the patient's demographics, right? You can get so much information that allows you to spin off these different workflows and automate. So that's what it's all about now. Scale and automate it allows you to automate it. So it's just awesome that you guys did a number of those. Um, not only just took the direct message in to get an electronic transaction, did something with it and brought interoperability to life. So now it's a verb, right? Now it's it's doing its thing. It's in action, and I think that is just incredible. So, Marla, what is the what does the future look like? I mean, obviously you guys are an organization that doesn't sit idle. You're talking about your your data analytics team, I, I know in your personality, you're a bulldog, you're going to go out and get more and more stuff done. What's the next phase for Ivy Rehab as you guys are, are pushing forward? Yeah, we've got so many great innovative um, initiatives coming up. You know, we we really, like, we, like I went back to earlier, we really want to be that Amazon-like experience. And we want to just keep making that entire patient experience so clean. You know, we've been looking at the online scheduling from the... Um, ability to have a mobile app to the ability of doing remote therapeutic monitoring, which we're doing right now, which is fantastic, and progressing our hybrid care models, and then working even closer with partnerships uh, that are that also look at value-based care and how do we get there. So we think of this, the direct messaging, and all of these small little integration and process steps that we're doing for the patient as the way to set us up to do that value-based care because. That's how we can really show that we're getting the patient in quickly, that they are actually achieving their outcomes, and that we are giving value for the care we are providing. And we can go to the insurance company and say, hey, let's switch this PT industry to not fee-for-service, but value-based care, because we really do affect the downstream spend of this patient. And in order to get there, these are the little steps along the way that's going to help give us the, the technology to 
track that, solve that, and show that. Marla, it's just music to my ears. As, I, as, I'm, th- as I'm thinking about this, um, transitioning from first a clinician, then to health systems, into a technology company, um, great journey. I think we can have impact at scale that I couldn't have at a health system uh, with a simple technology. Believing that interoperability is foundational to solving healthcare's biggest problems, and it's a huge statement, but everything we've talked about today points back to those things. If you bucket healthcare's biggest problems into a poor provider experience, a poor patient experience, less than optimal outcomes as a health system, um, uh, the cost of care, um, all of those things, even, even the thin margins that most of our healthcare businesses operate under that are real businesses, right? And we, we can't lose sight of that right? Um, that, that they're real businesses that need to generate revenue to be able to continue to expand services to meet the needs of our patients. And so when I think about all those things, whether it is streamlining process that decreases the manual work that your team needs to do, allowing them to do the work faster, better, and actually then focus on something else, um, for your clinicians to not be tied to looking around doing administrative work, searching for information that's pertinent to them, because now it's going into the place that they normally go to see it. Uh, EHRs weren't built that way. I mean, you, 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 you and I both know that, and this is not demonizing EHRs, they were billing and coding records. They, were, they didn't come to you and I and say, hey, yeah. guys, how do you take care of patients? How does your mind work when you take care of a patient? And I want to build the software to that. No, we were making our mind do what the software told us we had to do. So just, I just can't, I can't tell you how much what you guys are doing and the journey you've shared today meets the mission of No2 in terms of democratizing healthcare, making it a uh, healthcare communication, making it available to everybody, demonstrates interoperability, even at the earliest stages, is really beginning to solve some of healthcare's biggest problems, whether it's one provider at a time, one patient at a time, one business at a time, et cetera, reducing cost, et cetera. And then the idea of value-based care to me is huge because the, I spent 16 years of my career in that. Um, and and it is it is here to stay and it should be here to stay because we should demand value from our healthcare system. Um, so anyway, that, that's just, I, I, I was blown away by the, 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 the real life correlation between the hard work that you guys have done, the innovation you guys have done, and really our message around interoperability. It is, there is such synergy there and seeing it play out in you guys is a really fantastic thing to see. So that, Teresa, I'd love for you guys, Marla and Teresa, I've got a couple uh, thoughts that I want to leave the group with, but I want you guys to each think about that too over break here. We'll come back and we'll wrap up today's session. Uh, It's, it's, it almost feels like there needs to be a part two sometime down the road because there's so much more, Marla, that, that so many other questions that I have for you um, are out of this. Um, and, and I think um, so much our audience could learn from actually seeing this stuff applied in real time on a regular basis. So if we'll, bear with us, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll wrap up today's episode. At the heart of community-based rehabilitation for over two decades stands IV Rehab. With a vast network of more than 560 clinics, they specialize in a range of therapies, including physical, occupational, speech, and ABA. What sets them apart? Their commitment to personalized outcome-driven care. Ivy Rehab is a nurturing hub for professional development, offering robust clinical education and mentorship programs. They're at the forefront of care innovation, utilizing advanced analytics to tailor treatments and consistently outperform industry benchmarks. Ivy Rehab's versatile care models, including in-clinic, 
at-home, and telehealth options cater to a diverse range of patient needs, reinforcing their status as a leader in the rehabilitation sector. Connect. Listen. Transform. This is Notify with your hosts, Dr. Peter Shuck and Teresa Bell. Welcome back, everybody. We've just had a robust discussion that I think honestly could go on for another couple of hours. Really exciting to, to, to hear about Ivy Rehab's journey. Uh, so excited to be part of that partnership with you guys um, in, in bringing uh, some interoperability to uh, your clinics, your providers, um, and the market space. Um, I, as we wrap things up, guys, I'd love to hear from each of you kind of your takeaways from the conversation or anything you want to leave our audience with uh, that you do talked about today or want to emphasize or just thought about as we went through and didn't get a chance to say. Teresa, why don't we start with you and then Marla, we'll move to you. Yeah, as um, one, I, I echo your words, Dr. Shaka. Marla, that was a fantastic conversation. And, and I would say as a founder, um, it's moving to me. So this is what why I started the company 12 years ago to start. It has taken a long haul yeah, to get here. <laughs> I'm only 25. I just look 85 because it's been a long haul. This has been a long journey. And and it's so exciting to me to sit here and and watch people with passion like you and leadership like you to push into the market because that's what it's going to take. Um, and I was reflecting on your in your statements before we went to the last break, and and sitting on the national stage um, and working with these different networks and networks of EHR vendors and technology vendors that are seeking to move the market. We're moving into kind of a new phase, and as QHIN, and that's kind of all the rage right now. But I, I have a lot of hope for QHIN. Um, because it's we're not doing something net new. We're taking a learnings from what we've done in some other networks and bringing it back into the you know just best practices as part of it as this national initiative with the federal government behind it. So as we move into QHIN for 2024, um, the first work efforts that will come into play are to focus to workflows and and bringing in groups like yourself and the experience of groups like yourself that want to see it become a reality now into a verb. That is going to be what drives change, and especially in the markets. And I know I reflected this early on in therapies and post-acute. I always say we've been the victim of interoperability. Let's take control of our destiny and push forward, and and put ourselves on a level playing field with with the rest of the groups because that's what they want too. They just don't know the needs that are specific. Um, but voices like yours are absolutely what's going to move this market. This has been a fantastic podcast, and again, I'll just echo. I, I couldn't thank you enough. For, for what you've done. I really appreciate your guys' partnership and in the sense of, you know, I what I leave everybody with is we have to partner. We have to partner with our technologies. We have to partner with our EHRs. We have to partner with our providers. We are we are serving them. They are serving us. We're partners. And if we don't continue to do that and push together, uh, then, then we're not going to achieve the outcome we can. It's always greater as a whole um, and even partner with, with other PT companies, right? If we can all do this together and we can make sure that we're fighting for the better good of the patient, the experience for the patient, then we're going to get healthcare to not be so behind. We'll get that that catch up and that advancement a lot faster than one person, one company, one enterprise, right? So I really do think of it as an industry and all together is where, where we're going to drive the change. Um, so appreciate, like I said, the partnership with you guys, appreciate the partnership of all the providers who are leaning in and helping us understand their, their ways they need to do it and how we can help so that both of us are 
all dedicated on the patient or all of us, right? So thank you on that end as well. Uh, and I would just say, guys, thank you for the podcast. It's been one of the best ones we've had to date. And and um, uh, I can see us having you back, Marla, and, and continuing some conversations um, following your journey, but also just continuing conversations as a thought leader in the space. Um, I, I, a couple of thoughts come to mind. Um, you touched on one of them, Marla, and um, uh, during the break, I don't know if people heard it, but th- there's enough sickness and disease to go around. Um, when we begin to remove the competition from healthcare and begin to focus on the people providing health care and the people receiving health care, we're going to be a lot better off for it. Secondly, it's clear to me, uh, being a clinician who is technically inclined, but a clinician at heart, that providers, and what was so refreshing about this today was you're a provider that gets it. You're a provider that sees the impact of interoperability um, and is able to translate that to the clinicians that she works with and leads. Um, and we need more of that. We need more of our provider community to understand the impact of interoperability, not the technical aspect of it, um, and demand that interoperability is foundational in everything they do um, and let their need for the impact for themselves, their patients, healthcare as a whole, drive technology um, to make the improvements that they need to make as quickly as they need to make them. Um, I think that was uh, uh, the two items that were most critical to me um, that you were talking about. And then again, again, refreshing to me to have a provider talk um, about the impact of interoperability across all those different areas. Because again, I think your story is ex- exemplifies interoperability is the foundation to solving healthcare's biggest problems. Lots of other things that go along with it, but without interoperability, can't do it. So really appreciate it. Great podcast. Um, uh, look forward to the next one. Marla, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today. That's a wrap for this episode. Please subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform to make sure you don't miss an episode. Get No Two Connected today and set yourself and your organization free to unlock your potential. For more information on the value of being No Two Connected, visit us at www.no2.com. Follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter. Connect. Listen. Transform. Transform.